here with another episode of Conversations and Connections. Again, we're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. With us today, Mary Curtis, our uh, one of our counselors. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hey. Uh, so glad you agreed to uh, come on the podcast. I, I, so I think sometimes people uh, get a look of fear in their eyes when they see me come into their office because I think they're... Uh, they anticipate me asking to be on the podcast, and uh, I appreciate you being a brave enough soul to come over and uh, and do that. Thank okay. you. <laughs> well, good evening. <laughs> um, so you are one of our counselors here at the agency. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about the role that you play here. Well, um, I can tell you a little bit about my background first. Okay. Uh, my name is Mary Curtis. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm also a, a licensed school counselor, and I have a certification in early childhood. Um, I obtained my degrees from three universities. That's the University of Houston, my master's degree from Texas Southern, and my early childhood certification from Rice University. Wow, so you kind of been all over the place there. <laughs> yeah, huh? I wanted to check out the Houston area <laughs> universities. Um. So what? Um, so let's kind of go back in. The role of a counselor here at the agency. Uh, the role of the counselor here at the agency is basically to comfort and uh, aid the clients through their journey of abuse and sexual assault. Okay. And who do you see? Because um, my office is kind of across from your office, so I, I see the traffic kind of coming in and out, and I see adults and children. So you see a little bit of everyone, I guess, right? Yes, I do. I see kids ages from six. Well, I can say I see clients age six to 86, really, because we have had some elderly clients here at the shelter. Okay. Um, and pardon my ignorance, because uh, I do not have a degree in counseling. Uh, my degree is in a completely other realm here. Uh, do you have... A specific, and I guess I don't know how to word this. You may correct me on this. Do you have a specific style of counseling? Well, because of the clientele we, we uh, service, we basically use the technique of trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy, which is... Well, okay, you just okay, made, my, you, you made my head explode right. a little bit there. <laughs> uh, which is a, a therapy or technique used a variety of um, modalities for the client to be able to identify and for us to be able to identify some of the, uh, I guess you would say, diagnosis that the client would have in our circumstances. Okay. 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 Um, so I see, I guess, and with, with kids, I see a lot of... Um, Toys or little play things in your office, does that help the kids? Yes. Does it put them at ease or do you work, do you, what's the purpose of giving them something well, to do Well, play therapy like that? is also one of the, the uh, techniques that we can use uh, with the children, of course. And this helps the kids to relax. It also helps them to talk uh, because Okay, in adult therapy, we basically have a question and answer period. Okay. Okay. With a child, if you ask him his name, he's going to look at you. Okay? <laughs> he may tell you his name. He may not. 
especially if he's not familiar or trusting you. Right. So what we try to do, most of us, is have something in the room that the child can identify with, such as some play objects that they can get on the floor with, they can play with the blocks, they can play Mm -hmm. with the Legos. Uh, Sometimes we play checkers, sometimes we play Uno. Just trying to get the child to relax and accept us. Okay. And so that they can start telling us their story. Right, right. You okay, know. very well. Um, we've had some all-staff meetings where you've done some presentations to the staff that uh, have been really good, have been very, very <clears throat> impressive. Now, is that something that you bring to your clients, or does that reflect any way of how you relate to your clients? Does that make sense? You know, the way you do these presentations, is that a sample or does that have anything to do with what you do with your clients? Yes, because a lot of times I bring the presentations, I bring some of the, I call it the meat of the presentation to the clients. Like for instance, PTSD. A lot of our women that come in and even some of our men are not aware that long-term abuse is also labeled as or diagnosed as PTSD. So um, if I give them a little PowerPoint real quick of what PTSD is, Mm -hmm. or even if I give them a sheet and we go over it, you know, then they can start identifying that, oh, I have PTSD. Now, I'm not a diagnostician, and I tell them that immediately, and I refer them out to go get a diagnosis so that we can work with that diagnosis and go from there. Okay, great. Um, You do see men occasionally, right? How do men react? Are men as forthcoming when the counselor is a woman, or do you think they feel as comfortable talking to a woman? Not at first, because they're not sure exactly what we're going to be asking. Okay. I have to gain their trust, and that's with any client. Sure. But I especially have to gain the men's trust to let them know that I'm not there to judge them. Right. And that, you know, men can be abused just like a woman. And once they understand that I understand that, you know, they're not a wimp or they're not a crybaby because they've been abused by their wives or their significant others, then it's very, I mean, it just pours at that point. Good. Very well. Um, Now, just knowing you as a coworker. (laughs) <laughs> in our conversations, uh, I do know that you're a very God-fearing, and I, I'm always reluctant, and maybe I'm wrong about this, always reluctant to use the word religious. To me, religious seems very spiritual, formal, spiritual. Then if I use spiritual, I think sometimes people may think, well, that's not necessarily a Christian thing. Right. But you're a strong Christian. Let's put it to you that yes. way. Um, <laughs> I think you said your, your husband is a... He's a deacon in a, the church. A deacon. Mm-hmm. So um, is there ever a time where, where you can, um, do you ever bring your Christianity into a session? I know that's kind of a touchy subject with some people, but well, do you kind of feel them out to see if they have the same belief? and Or does that help you? With- well, I can answer yes and no. Okay, uh-huh. uh, to that question, because if the client opens the door 
and want to expand on their religion. Mm -hmm. I let them do that. I personally do not bring my religion. Right. And I understand or, yeah, that. Or, sure. or bring those questions to them. They have to open that door. I'm just there to listen. Sure. Okay. Uh, is there a time where, where you do that? I mean, and does like if the door presents, if the opportunity does present itself, is there, and, I, and I, again, pardon my ignorance on this, is there a specific way of counseling where you can incorporate Christianity, and does that help? Yes, um, it is a way to bring mm -hmm. it in if they, if they sure. open it up. Sure. You can ask them what religion they are, what they practice, mm -hmm. and you let them open the door and you just kind of counter you know, act yeah. or counteract the questions, ask the questions uh -huh. that they, or you repeat what they're saying to you okay. about their religion. And uh, I think when you do that, you give them permission to express more to you how they feel about the situation. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so what, what made you decide to even do this? It takes, I think... Again, I personally think it takes a special person of a significant uh, attitude and uh, way of thinking, I guess, is the best way for me that I can think of right now. What made you decide to get into counseling? Uh, believe it or not, on a Sunday morning when I was around 16 years old, we were sitting in service and a lady burst in our church. She was um, battered, bloody, torn clothes, and she asked us to save her from her abusive husband. She just said, save me from my husband. I was sitting there and I said to myself, hmm, ain't no man going to never do that to me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm serious. And from I guess from that day on, I had a journey or, or mindset that, you know, maybe I could help women and men get out of these situations. Uh -huh. And so even when I um, was in school and I could see my girlfriends being abused, I would immediately step in and say, oh, no, you don't have to be treated mm -hmm. like that. You know, you're, you're, you're a lady. You don't have to have a guy beat on you or whatever. And so people would call me the counselor, the little counselor, even in a high school. So, and of course, I didn't know what a little counselor was <laughs> back then. I just knew that it wasn't right. going to happen. Sure. You know, and so that's how I got in. <laughs> now, you're, correct me if I'm wrong, you have, you're, are you an LPC? Yes. Okay. I'm a licensed professional counselor. So you could, you know, you got an LPC, you could do so many different you could take so many different avenues with counseling, right? But you specifically chose this type of counseling. Have you done any other types well, of counseling see, I, in the past, or I did work with children. That's why I went and got my early okay. childhood um, certification. Um, you get kind of burnt out with the children, you know, and so and I did teenagers, uh, but mostly I I like dealing with the women and the men. You know, so I can okay. help them to grow. I want to go back one second. So, because you see <laughs> such a diverse, you know, you see men, you see women, you see children. So that's boys and girls. <clears throat> What's the most common issue? Is it domestic violence? That yes, I would think the kids may not be directly a 
quote-unquote victim, but they are affected by what happens in the home. Right. Is there a commonality? Like, is there one thing in common that you find with most of these people, or is it just, is it all one over the place? One thing is self-esteem, low self-esteem. <clears throat> okay. That's the commonality on both men and women. They've been browbeating, beaten so that they have no no self-esteem. Yeah. And, you know, some people teach positive affirmations and stuff like that. But I try to find that key to mm-hmm. why they don't have self-esteem. I go back, and a lot of times we're laughing because we go back to playing jacks or playing, um, uh, well, I'll put it like this. I'm in the process of making a quilt with a lady. She's an elder, uh, older lady, and she remembers her mom them having this talk group, and um, they would always talk out their problems around making a quilt. Mm-hmm. So we decided that she would make a lap quilt, and so in the, we're in the process of making that lap quilt. Now, I've found out all kinds of information since I did that. The first five sessions, she just sit there and cried in my office because she couldn't talk. So I had to reach out and, and go beyond the box and find out what I could do to get her to open up. That's really interesting. So, and I think a lot of people, so this was a set, you're making a quilt with a client. Yes. So, and I think that is, that you know, maybe sometimes it's the simplest things that fascinate me, but, you know, a lot of times people see, only what they see in the movies or on TV about mm-hmm. going to a counselor or a psychologist or, or, or something like that. And it's always, they're laying on the couch and the psychologist is next to them. They're writing notes right. and all of that. And I just think that is so cool. You know, who would ever thought, you know, in a counseling session, you'd be with a client and y'all are working on a quilt together. Right. That I just, I love that. Whatever it takes. I yeah. mean I mean I mean not whatever because some, some some things I'm not gonna do. But Yeah, I but mean, that's just you know, so that is so cool. I, I after talking to her and trying to get her to open up and one day she started talking about how her mom and them had this group and all they did was sit around, you know, uh-huh. quilts, it dawned on me. Okay, we're gonna make a quilt. And so we decided to make a lap quilt. So that's what we're doing. Very nice. That's someone you're doing. That's that's yes. going on right now. Mm-hmm. That is very neat, Mary. What is it that you find? What do you get most out of what you do? What do you find rewarding? Because and well, and I'll I'll have a follow up for that. Go ahead. What what do you find rewarding in doing in doing this type of type of work? Um, when I see a woman and a man walk out of FCC, which is Family Crisis Center of East Texas, with that newfound strength of and determination to live a life without abuse, I think that helps motivate me to continue my journey to end domestic violence and sexual assault. But it's also the strength I see that they get from not only me, but from themselves, that inner strength that comes from them all of a sudden that they didn't realize that they had. And also I like the team members here that help support that. And I have a saying on my wall. It says, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, 
let it destroy you or let it strengthen you. And so when I see that strength and I see them, you know, going forth and making um, comments like, I couldn't have did it without you all. I really appreciate what you do. And you all just don't know how you help me. Those are the things that are most rewarding to me. Yeah, yeah. You know. I want to ask you this, and I've asked probably anybody who has direct, who works directly with our clients. Being a counselor, I'm sure you hear some horrible things. And you see people who are just spilling their guts to you and expressing and, and telling you all these horrible things that has happened to them. At the end of the day, what does Mary do or, or anyone maybe in your profession? How do you cope with that? How do you not bring that home and affect your personal home life? Cause you probably have to separate that and put that aside. What, what do you do? How do you do that? Well, number one, I, um, I have a pond and ducks, as everybody knows. And um, years ago, I discovered that if I go home um, and just sit and look at the ducks, look at the fish, um, I can release. I can just release the day. So by the time I get in the house, because I don't go in my house until I release, Okay. Okay. So That's, you pull into the you pull, pull it to the, the house driveway. and you go straight to the duck I pond. I go straight to the duck pond so that I can <laughs> okay. release. And um, even if it's raining, because I have a patio type mm -hmm. thing, so I go and I release. And then when I come in the house, I can, as my husband say, the flag is down, and I can come in and and act accordingly <laughs> with my family, you know, because I realize I can't take everybody's problems in and dump yeah. them on him. It, it's it's against the law, number one, and number two, he don't want to hear it no way, <laughs> you know. But what does your husband think about what you do? Uh, he he's always been very supportive. Um, you know, he understands that some things I'm not going to talk about, right. you know, and that that's just the way it is. Sure. All you know. right. Okay. Well, Mary, thanks. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, again, that's uh, Mary Curtis, one of our counselors here at the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. Uh, as always, if you have a question or a comment you'd like to email us, you can do that at conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And I want to remind you also, if you feel like you need our services, we do have a 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. Again, 1-800-828-7233. 7233. And remember, as always, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.